You're listening to a 3CR podcast created in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au. Evil minds that plot destruction. Sorcerer of death's construction. In the fields of bodies burning. As the war machine keeps turning. Death and hatred to mankind. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia on the National Community Radio Satellite. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week, Australia's sacred cow slaughterhouse. Listen to analysis of local, national and international events. Listen to analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Welcome to the Anarchist World This Week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name is Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. If you wonder what anarchy is all about, very simple, anarchos without rulers. What gives rulers the ability to determine the lives of billions of people on this planet? Inequalities in power and wealth. The anarchist struggle is the struggle to... Uh, share wealth and the struggle to share power. Very simple. Share power through direct democratic mechanisms and share wealth by holding wealth in common. So the anarchist struggle is the struggle to make life better for the majority of people on this planet. So if you're involved in struggles which assist people, well then, whether you know it or not, you're an anarchist. Well, what a week. What a week. Misinformation, disinformation, hysteria, panic, what a week. Now, I'd like to start off with, uh, you know, sometimes you wake up in the morning and you think, well, maybe, just maybe, we have a few answers here. Just maybe there's a few answers. You wake up in the morning and you think there's a few answers. Well, ever heard of the term, save a penny, spend a pound? Now, I think a lot of people have been perplexed about the COVID-19 spike in Melbourne's northwestern suburbs. And uh, yesterday, the uh, Premier of Victoria um, introduced a new lockdown in uh, 38 suburbs in that region. And there's another, people are always looking for scapegoats. We're always looking for scapegoats. That's the nature of humanity. We always need somebody to burn at the stake. And it's quite interesting to see that the scapegoats have been people involved in the Black Lives Movement protests. And uh, let's not uh, forget that the the yellow media in this country uh, always points there, always points at the most uh, vulnerable minorities of the South Sudanese. It was in Melbourne. It's the South Sudanese fault. It's the migrants' faults. You know, it's the Black Lives protest fault. Well, I'm going to. I'm a great believer in science, facts, not belief systems. And I'll tell you why there's a COVID-19 spike in the northwestern suburbs of Melbourne. It's very simple. It's so simple, even the Premier of Victoria has acknowledged it by holding... uh, It's going to hold a, a judicial inquiry into what happened. 
Well, as we know, many overseas travellers, over 20,000 have come back to Australia and they've been involved, they've been quarantined after the first disastrous attempt to self-quarantine. People were forcefully quarantined in hotels around the country and the same occurred in Melbourne. In order to save a penny, the state government uh, contracted a private security company to provide security at these hotels. And what we saw in the last four weeks was an explosion in the number of COVID-19 cases that have come out of these hotels. And the main reason has been that the people who are actually contracted to provide the service the companies that were contracted, the multinational or transnational corporations were contracted to provide the security of some of the most abysmal workplace records on the planet. And they mainly contract people on minimum wages, minimum training. And obviously when these uh, security personnel were uh, assigned to these hotels, there was a breakdown in quarantine measures. And we know there was a breakdown in quarantine measures because, you know, all human beings are alike, but they're all different. You know, we do a DNA sequence on a human being and you can pick one from another. It's the same with the COVID-19 virus. You do a genomic uh, analysis and it looks like that a significant proportion of the number of new cases in the northern western suburbs of Melbourne were directly linked to the fact that... uh, Security staff who contracted the virus from travellers because of breakdown in quarantine uh, procedures, and that breakdown in quarantine procedures is not directly related to the uh, uh, the staff themselves, but it was a a breakdown due to the fact of the uh, state health department, a breakdown due to the fact that the work was contracted out to private contractors, whose basic uh, Responsibilities to create a profit for their shareholders, their owners. And obviously when these contractors, when these social security guards went back home, and as most of them lived in the northwestern suburbs because of the poor pay rates, that they spread it to their families who then spread it on to other people. And let's not forget at the height that when, when the virus was spreading, because we're always looking at things 14 days in arrears when you look at the virus, that the government had lifted, in Victoria, lifted restrictions on family gatherings and increased family gatherings to 20. So let's not point the finger. Let's not point the finger at uh, individual groups in our society. Let's not point the finger at the security guards. Let's not point uh, the finger, you know, at uh, some external factor. What we need to understand is what we saw is a breakdown in quarantine procedures which directly related to the idea that you can uh, save a penny and unfortunately when you try to save a penny in a very uh, serious situations, you're always spending a pound to try to overcome the situation. So I think there's a lot of lessons to be drawn here. And if the, health, the Victorian Health Department is overseeing, which they are, the, uh, the imposition of regulations on people regarding COVID-19. I think it's important that we use the best facilities, the best people 
and not spare any expense in attempting to contain the drug, contain the virus, because the economic consequences, let's forget about the human consequences, but the economic consequences of a breakdown in procedures because you're trying to save a penny by uh, hiring individual, by hiring private contractors to provide security uh, is just enormous, as we are seeing in uh, an area of Melbourne which would include up to almost about 750,000 people. So it's an extraordinary situation, and the, and the, the science doesn't lie. G- genomic testing has shown that the majority of cases in the northwest of uh, Melbourne are directly linked to the same genomic pattern that travellers had in the hotels in central Melbourne that were supposedly being uh, quarantined. Listen to the Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program is streaming live on 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. My name is Joseph Toscano. A few... Now, a few thanks. Yes, we do need to thank people. I'd like to thank all those people who contributed to the uh, 3CR uh, station appeal in June and the Anarchist World this week has raised over $6,500 to date because of people's contribution and I'm very uh, humbled by the amount of money raised towards keeping 3CR on air and programs like the Anarchist World this week on air. It is a difficult time and for people to think of us here at Community Radio Station 3CR and think of Community Radio through the Community Radio Network I think is a a very humbling experience. So I'd like to thank all those people. Now, there is a problem, but there's a bloke called Johnny Lata who's usually a big contributor to the uh, the 3CR Radiophone and he's a poker player. And he's had lean pickings over the last two months and all he's been able to raise is 600 bucks towards... Community radio station 3CR. Now, Johnny, I don't know where you are. I know you're a man about town. You're a Fitzroy, you know, bother. So, Johnny, if you've won any money over the past week, you did promise to give it to community radio station 3CR, so hopefully I'll run into you somewhere today because I don't think 600 bucks from two months of playing poker is really cuts the mustard, mate. Okay. So hopefully in the next 24 hours I'll run across you somewhere and it won't be at a poker game because I don't play poker and you'll be able to fork off a, a bit more cash to keep Community Radio Station 3CR on air so we continue to broadcast via the Community Radio Network across this country, north and south. I'd also like to thank all those interstate uh, people, you know who you are, who've contributed to keeping this radio station on air. It is a particularly difficult time for a lot of people and uh, to see so much money raised... Uh, is uh, humbling. As I said, you can still you can still donate. Unfortunately, as the end of financial year was yesterday, uh, if you donate and you need a legal legitimate tax deduction, it'll have to be for this financial year, not next financial year. You can donate in a number of ways. You can go to 3cr.org uh, forward slash donate. You can send cheques or money order to post office box 1277. Collingwood 3066 make them out to 3CR or you can ring this number and go through all the prompts and if you've got a credit card they'll be happy to take your donation 039 419 8377 thank you very much 
I won't bore you next week uh, asking you for money. Uh, you've all done exceptionally well. I'm very pleased to see that we've been able to raise so much money to keep this radio station on air and to keep the Anarchist World this week broadcasting for a 44th year in the year 2021. Now, as I said before, sometimes you wake up and you think, wow, that's it. Well, I woke up this morning, I had all these, these ideas regarding the program, because normally I just you know, have ideas and talk about those ideas, things I've thrown around in my mind the last week, because what I try to do, and the key word is try, obviously, unsuccessfully on many occasions, to give an up-to-date analysis, and I've worked it out. I've worked out Mr Morrison's, the Coalition Government's 2022 election strategy. I have worked it out, and it's very simple. It's based on revisiting the yellow peril strategy. Now, those of us who are old enough would remember what occurred in the 60s and the 70s when we were involved in the Vietnam War and the fact you'd see this little picture of Australia and a picture of China and a big link and uh, we are all fighting against the yellow peril, you know, the Asiatics. I mean, Australia has always had a uh, mixed reaction to Asian immigration. Let's not forget that the first um, legislation which was passed by the Federal Parliament in 1901 was the White Australia policy. Let's not forget that. Now, currently, there is a lot of disquiet in the community, it's, and I can understand the disquiet regarding COVID-19, the fact that it uh, originated in China. Now, obviously, the Chinese authorities are a little bit slow getting off the mark, especially local authorities who didn't want to actually raise the ear of the Communist Party Central Committee. Um, and they uh, were a little bit behind the eight ball as far as containing the virus when it first broke out and now we're seeing the consequences of over a half a million deaths and we expect maybe hundreds of thousands, even more millions of more people dying from the virus. So there is an anti-Chinese sentiment in the Australian community and it's quite extensive. I mean, I'm still practising as a medical practitioner and I'm still seeing a variety of people. So you get to mix with a whole variety of people from different socioeconomic groups living in different parts of the uh, the city and different parts of Victoria and you can understand and you get a, you get a feeling for what's going on in the community i mean i'm i'm very fortunate in having an occupation which allows me to give give a feeling get a feeling about what's going on in the community and i, I can tell you that anti chinese sentiment is rising it's fanned to a large degree by our political leaders and it's fanned by a large degree by a corp- the corporate-owned media in this country. Now, what's interesting is that Mr Morrison is a little bit, you know, the coalition is a little bit more sophisticated than their uh, cohorts in the 60s when they were talking about the yellow peril. And what they talk about now is the Chinese Communist Party. And if you listen to their rhetoric, it's all about the Chinese Communist Party. And if you have been following what's happening in this country over the last two or three years, you can actually see the coalition government uh, ratcheting up the pressure against the Chinese 
Communist Party, in inverted inverted commas, most people don't differentiate between the Chinese and the Chinese Communist Party. They see it as one and all. And we're seeing, you know, increased defending, defence spending, long-range missiles, hornets, uh, change in alliances, and the list goes on and on. So the strategy is very simple. Now that the economic miracle has melted because of COVID-19, the response to COVID-19, the government can't run on an economic platform. It can't run in the, for the 2022 election on an economic platform saying that, you know, it's our economic management which has saved the country. So it needs a different strategy in order to have any chance at the next election because the issue isn't, as co- as the JobKeeper and job seeker allowances are downgraded and people have to face the reality of uh, meeting their uh, financial uh, commitments, the government's... Uh, Oh, how shall I put it? The government really has to look at another strategy, and that strategy is a very simple strategy. What is what we need to do is we need to foster the idea that the country is under threat. There is an external enemy out there, and we all need to unite against that external enemy. And and it works in two ways. There's the dog whistlers to those who are you know, anti-Chinese in the community, so you dog whistle to them. And at the same time, you have a more sophisticated uh, political campaign against the, the Chinese Communist Party. And we've seen the combination of both these strategies now being interwoven into the coalition's political program. And it's directly related to their ability to win the next election in 2022, which will be based on a campaign of fear, misinformation, which we are seeing across many platforms in this country, whether it's social media, whether it's the legacy media, whether it's radio, television, pay TV, you name it, it's all there. So don't get sucked into this fake campaign. This is all about revisiting the Yellow Peril campaign of the 60s, which played so well into the hands, into the hands of the Liberal National Liberal Country Party at, at that particular point in time, which saw Menzies elected and re-elected and elected and re-elected for all, over almost 25 years by playing the fear card. So obviously they've gone back to the historical roots. They're playing that card. It's been uh, promoted as I said, in two ways. The first way is dog whistling, you know, all the races out in the community, you know, uh, tarring, in inverted commas, all Chinese people, all Asians with the same brush. And at the same time, a more sophisticated campaign, which is carried out in the legacy media uh, by against the Chinese Communist Party. Now, if you think I'm a supporter of the Chinese Communist Party, I'm not a supporter of the Chinese Communist Party. I'm an anarchist. The last thing I would do is support a communist regime because of the inherent uh, authoritarian nature of the so-called Chinese Communist Party, which is basically a state, corrupt state capitalist party. But I do understand when I'm being manipulated by forces 
which are trying to create an image that we're under imminent threat of invasion, whether it's cyber attacks, whether it's economic, whether it's physical invasion from the uh, from China. I mean, I'm the last one to actually be manipulated in that situation. And I encourage you to look at the language that is used and try to work out why that language has been used and how it's been used in order to create a climate of fear which then the government, the current government, will use to uh, have itself re-elected in one and a half to two years' time. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. I'm hosting today's program. Now, a few... uh, bit of information if you're interested um, I'm, I'd like to thank all those people who are all the application forms that are trickling in to join public interest before corporate interest as I said before we're trying to get 550 members because we want to raise different ideas in the uh, electoral cycle so if you do want to join public interest before corporate interest I I encourage you to go to the website pipcpibci.net have a look if you like what you like. If you look, if you, if you like what you look at, then you can always download the application form Pipsy, from pipcpibci.net. Send it to us and uh, we'll process it. You'll become a member of uh, public interest before corporate interests. And hopefully by the end of this year, we'll have enough members to actually apply for registration as a federal political party and uh, be ready for the next federal election in 2022 because I can assure you uh, it's going to be a difficult time for a lot of people and it's important that uh, we have political forces in this country that are not based on racist ideologies. We have political forces in this country that are pushing for egalitarian change. We have political forces in this country that uh, uh, are screaming at the top of their lungs, no more business as usual. So the ball's in your court. You want to join, you want to join. You don't want to join, you don't want to join. But I'd like to thank all those people who have recently uh, joined, young and old, people from across the country. And it's um, good to see so many people uh, joining public interest before corporate interests. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests, where I try to do a YouTube presentation every week. You can go to my Facebook page, Joseph Toscano or uh, Toscano for the public and uh, see what's going on. Unfortunately, there's very little political activity on the ground because of COVID-19. I think it's important that we all have a responsibility to uh, protect our fellow citizens and currently we're not involved in uh, many physical activities on the streets. So, But we are encouraging you to join public interest before corporate interests and supporting your local community radio stations because local community radio stations provide a range of views which you will never hear in the corporate-owned media and the government gilded ABC. And if you don't think the government gilded ABC... If you don't think the ABC has been nobbled by the uh, federal government, think again because there is one thing the federal government is concerned... They're concerned about independent, strong ABC that is actually able to voice different opinions to the people of this country, north to south, east to west. And that's why the ABC has been targeted for a number over a decade by uh, successive conservative governments in an attempt to silence any criticism of their policies. And as I said before, 
community radio does provide a different mechanism via which you can get your ideas, by which you can formulate your opinions, by which you can decide how you want to act and react. Let's move on. What do robo-debt and animal cruelty have in common? Now, I can see a scratch in your heads. What do robo-debt and animal cruelty have in common? Well, they have everything and nothing in common. That's right. Everything and nothing in common. Now, let's not forget that 700,000 Australians were put through the ringer by this coalition government where it tried to uh, claw back money from people they said had been overpaid as far as Social Security benefits were concerned. And it's quite obvious, quite obvious, from the very beginning that the program was flawed. Not only was it flawed, it was wrong. The actual algorithms they used to pull out who owed money to the federal government who didn't was wrong, 100% wrong. And it took three to four years for them to reverse their decision once they were threatened with uh, legal action and they knew they were going to lose that legal action in the courts and they were quite concerned that if they lost the legal action in the courts, not only would they have to pay back, I think it was about $300 million, back to those Australians who'd been unnecessarily pressured and pushed around and humiliated and marginalised and in many cases sent into a psychological downspin and in some cases uh, ended in suicide, they knew they'd have to pay a compensation on top of paying back that money. So they you know, said, ah, it's our fault, walked away, okay? That's robo-debt. They don't give a shit about people, you know, who rely on some social security payments or social security payments to survive. Then at the same time, this week, we had a interesting decision from the, uh, I think it was the federal court, which said that the uh, former Minister for Agriculture for um, the Gillard government had acted in a in a manner that was really not legal when it came to the suspension of cattle exports to Indonesia. Now, those of you whose memories are a bit longer than mine will remember those gruesome pictures which uh, came out of abattoirs in Indonesia about how cattle which, cattle which had been exported for, uh, from Australia were being treated in the most uh, cruel fashion and the Gillard Labor government uh, unilaterally suspended um, export to Indonesia for a, a period of time. Now, the federal court has found that the government didn't act in a fair manner and that not only should these uh, these cattle producers, and we're talking about a few thousand, we're not talking about 700,000 people, but a few thousand cattle producers should be compensated for their pain and suffering. Not only should they be compensated for their loss, but they should be compensated for their pain and suffering. And the federal government, it looks like it's not going to even appeal against the decision. Could you imagine that? It reminds me uh, when the Murdoch Empire, about six years ago, got an $850 tax deduction from the Australian tax office because of a bit of clever accountancy, and the federal government refused, the conservative government refused, to appeal the decision. 
So on the one hand, we have people who are relying on Social Security payments to survive who have been pressured, pushed around, knocked about, okay? Pressured, pushed around, knocked about in order to repay debts which didn't exist. The whole force of the state was used against them. On the other hand, we've got some cattle producers, some very rich people and some transnational corporations involved in this uh, particular trade because we always hear about the little cattle producer, but it's not them. And the government's not even willing to uh, appeal a decision which has gone against a previous government, which means they'll be have to hand out millions, of, tens of millions of dollars in compensation to these people. I mean, what it does, it highlights the hypocrisy of living in this country. Hypocrisy, Australia is thy name. Hypocrisy, whether it's the way we deal with this country's First Nations people, whether it's the way we deal with refugees and asylum seekers, whether it's the way we deal with the homeless and people on Social Security benefits, if it's the way we deal with trade unions and people on wages, and the list goes on and on. The way we pretend to support small business while giving uh, large corporations carte blanche to do what they like in order to destroy any uh, small business opposition to, the, to their activities. So hypocrisy, Australia is thy name. So robo-debt and the current uh, response to the decision, federal court decision to compensate cattle producers for uh, losing money when uh, a ban was placed on live exports, I think highlights the reaction the reaction to these two situations actually highlights the hypocrisy of the situation. You're listening to The Anarchist World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. My name's Joseph Toscano. Now, if you think I'm internet, you know, uh, fenced, I'm not. You can leave messages on 0439 395 489 and I'll attempt to get back to you in the next 48 hours. 0439 395 489. If you want an application form to join public interest before corporate interest, you don't have a printer, you're not on your computer, you know, you, you don't have access to a computer, you can always ring me, leave a name, postal address, and I'll send you out some application forms. So, uh, And I also respond to letters. I do get a few letters every week. You could post your letters to Post Office Box 20, Parkville, 3052. That's Post Office Box 20, Parkville 3052. You can go to the YouTube Public Interest Before Corporate Interest website, pipc.net, the Anarchist Media Institute website, anarchistmedia.org, uh, the uh, YouTube uh, site, Public Interest Before Corporate Interest. You can go to my personal Facebook page, Joseph Toscana. You won't find out the colour of my underpants, but you'll learn a lot more about uh, the struggle to create an egalitarian community. We can go to Toscana for the public or public housing, everybody's business, or defend and, pub- defend and extend public housing, and the list goes on and on. Ultimately, it's us takes it, taking action which will change things because we are the people we've been waiting for. Don't forget that. We are the people we've been waiting for. What's happened to these countries' religious institutions? Most of them have been found to be wanting in the most horrible ways. I mean, the, ch- the uh, institutional... Um, the Royal Commission Institutional Child Sex Abuse, I mean, highlighted that. And the fact that some of these organisations continue to resist paying compensation is just extraordinary. 
Just extraordinary. And let's not forget, if it wasn't for Prime Minister Gillard, we wouldn't have had that Royal Commission because Prime Minister Abbott fought tooth and nail to ensure that uh, the sins of the, uh, especially the Catholic Church, be, continue to remain hidden. So let's not forget that. Now, just in case, just in case you think that the climate emergency has gone away, I've got some bad news for you. Yep, some bad news. Now, you're not going to believe this. And now I've forgotten the name, but a Russian town above the Arctic Circle has just recorded a temperature of 38 degrees centigrade. Now, I've been above the Arctic Circle many, many years ago, about 34, I think it was about 40 years ago, and I can tell you it was bloody cold. So could you imagine that? A temperature of 38 degrees above the Arctic Circle. And even more interestingly, well, it's not interesting, it's worrying, that the rate of temperature change in the South Pole, that's increasing temperatures, is three times the rate of the increase in the rest of the, the rest of the planet. So climate change hasn't gone away. You may think it's gone away because of COVID-19 is taking up every waking minute of everybody's life, but it hasn't gone away. It's still there. And we're still not in a position where we as a society are willing to change direction, especially in this country, and create a carbon-neutral economy. Although people tell us, people who've got more brains than you and me combined, tell us that we can create at least 1.5 million jobs, which would be an extra 20%, oh, about 15% extra jobs, if we move towards a carbon-neutral economy because the thing about green energy is it's, it's labour-intensive energy. And in a period where mechanisation is being used to... Uh, decrease labour costs around the country, it's, uh, it's a sobering thought to think that we can employ so many people in productive industries and carbon neutral industries, but that's the nature of the beast. As I said, hypocrisy, Australia is thy name. Now, we don't do that. You know that? We don't do that. Now, I've been a little bit unhappy. I was happy at the beginning of the program, but a little bit unhappy about how the New South Wales Upper House MP, Mr Mosselman, has been treated. Treated by his own party, the Labor Party. Treated by the corporate-owned media. Treated by the Federal Police. Treated by the government guild at ABC. It's just extraordinary. The panic, and this is again part of that yellow peril syndrome. Now, in case you didn't know... There is a by-election in Monaro. It's a Labor seat. The member, uh, former member of the Defence Forces are retired due to ill health. There is a by-election. I think it's this Saturday. There is a by-election, and it's an important by-election because the current government holds a one-seat majority in Parliament, and if it uh, wins this by-election, its majority increases. Now, isn't it interesting that every time there's some major political uh, thing happening, like an election or a by-election, the federal police become involved. 
that we see raids carried out by the federal police. You know? Isn't it interesting? I just find it interesting. And I find it interesting how defensive the Labor Party was in this situation. Instead of supporting its member, it tried to suspend the member and talking about suspending him from Parliament, the upper house. I mean, what right do they have to suspend somebody who's been legally elected by the electorate from Parliament? A man who has only had allegations made against him. And it looks like the investigation is the fact that maybe under these new foreign influencing laws that maybe his office has been infiltrated by some uh, member of the Chinese Communist Party. Isn't it interesting how these laws are used, how these are political laws are used to actually promote political ideology and how the federal police has become a politicised police, the upper echelons of the federal police seem to be lock and step with this country's conservative government, with the Morrison government. How time and time again they are used to promote a conservative reaction agenda. Now, we were told... We don't do that. This is where the hypocrisy comes in. We don't do that. What am I saying by we don't do that? Well, they're talking about the Chinese Communist Party or the Chinese government having an influence in this country, that they're attempting to influence politicians in this country, they're attempting to influence the economic system, they're attempting to influence the education system, they're attempting to influence this, as if we don't do it. I mean, we've gone one step further in the Chinese Communist Party, haven't we? We were involved, tooth and nail, in the invasion of Iraq, trying to find mythical weapons of mass destruction. So it's, it's not as if we're not involved in the influence game. Look at Pine Gap in central Australia, outside Alice Springs. Is it an an I mean, it's an instrumental part of the United States so-called forward defence system where drone attacks are perpetrated on people around the world causing mass casualties, not just of uh, targets but uh, collateral damage, as if we don't do that. Why do we have ISIS, a foreign, you know, it's a spy network which is there to spy against other countries? Let's not forget that a few years ago we were caught out bugging the phone of the wife of the Indonesian president. We don't do that. We don't attempt to influence uh, other countries, do we? Let's not forget the Vietnam War, the Korean War, the Malaysian emergency. Oh, we don't try to influence. Let's not forget our presence in the Middle East today, the ship which has been sent to the Gulf of Hormuz. Hmm? Oh, we don't do that. Well, where is all that billions of dollars that goes to ASIS and our internal security agency, ASIO? I mean, what is it there for? What, they just sit around playing poker all day? Obviously they're involved in uh, espionage and cyber attacks and the list goes on and on. Well, that's where the hypocrisy comes in. Oh, we don't do that. We, 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 we would never do that. Never, 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 never do that. 
I found it quite interesting that uh, we're currently using the current uh, so-called political interference laws to investigate a member of the New South Wales Upper House. And at the same time, we're throwing up our hands in horror because the Chinese government has, has passed a law in Hong Kong regarding um, uh, influence, foreign influence. It's just, it's just extraordinary. The, the hypocrisy, the double standards, the garbage. But the thing is, it's lapped up by the community. And it's lapped up for a reason, as I said before. This is about revisiting the yellow peril tactic. The peril, the tactic of an external threat to this country. A viable, imminent, external threat. We ratchet up the amount of military spending. We ratchet up the amount of fear. And we hope that people will be diverted from the economic catastrophe which we are going to face in the, before the end of this year. That's what it's all about. It's about diverting your attention from what's happening in this country today, how we continue to be exploited in order to create ever-increasing profits for that small sector society that owns the means of production, distribution, exchange and communication. That's what it's all about. Diversion, diversion, diversion. We need to point the finger at someone. And the politicisation of the federal police is just the tip of the iceberg. Let's not forget that currently we have a... A secret court case. That's right, a secret court case because some intelligence uh, personnel who are involved in the bugging of the new East Timorese government, not because they pose an existential or physical threat to Australia, but because Australia was trying to get an economic advantage regarding the uh, Timor Sea oil, they currently find themselves in court and face prison sentence in secret court. And let's not forget that somebody was secretly, from that same case, was secretly tried and jailed. We knew nothing about it as a people. And the Bernard Caleri case, which is going on now in the Canberra Federal Court, we're not allowed to go into that case because of so-called national security. So, but we don't do that. We would never try to interfere in another country's political fortunes. And those of us who have memories that go back long enough, let's not forget what happened to the West Papua in the so-called in 1961 when we washed our hands. The Menzies government washed it, our hands of West Papua and allowed the Indonesian government to take it over. Holus bolus. Oh, no, we wouldn't, we wouldn't do that, would we? Because we... We don't actually have an ASIO. We don't have an ASIS. We don't have secret service agents. We don't try to, uh, you know, influence the course of events in other sovereign nation states around the globe, do we? Come on. Come on. The danger is not the fact that we do it. I mean, that's normal. All countries do it, all right? All countries have secret services, all countries try to influence other countries' political systems. All countries try to get a, an advantage. And the bigger the country, the bigger the advantage. We know that. That happens constantly. That's nothing new. But what is new is this fallacy which they're trying to inculcate in the Australian public that we don't do that. 
that somehow it's a one-way street, that somehow it's only other countries, especially China, which is trying to influence political outcomes. Let's look at our alliance with the United States of America, the secret base at Pine Gap, the fact that United States troops have uh, quadrupled in the last few years in northern Australia, the fact that now we are part and parcel of the United States' uh, defence system. I mean, the United States, what a dysfunctional, dysfunctional political system. Makes the Morrison government look like a uh, choir boy or girl. Extraordinary. Just extraordinary. And we're told, we don't do that. We're not involved in espionage. And we've got current court cases regarding espionage. It's just, just extraordinary. And if somehow you think that you've got the same protections as the United States of America, as an individual in this country, think again. That's the beauty of living in Australia. We have a constitution which does not protect the individual from the arbitrary exercise of state power. Let's not forget that. And I'll repeat it again. We have a constitution that does not prevent the individual from the arbitrary exercise, from the arbitrary, uh, protects from the arbitrary exercise of state power. What does that mean in plain English? What it means in plain English is the Attorney General can ban any organisation at any time he likes or she likes because they believe they may pose a threat to Australia. Not they pose a threat, they believe they may pose a threat. We have a country where you can be secretly taken off the street, interrogated for 7 to 14 days, because inadvertently you may have information which may assist the uh, authorities with their inquiries. And if you refuse to answer questions, you can be jailed for up to seven years, although you may have known nothing initially. Right? It's all legal. We have a country where people who receive leak information, whether it's about supposedly war crimes committed by SAS troops in Afghanistan or, you know, uh, what's happened in East Timor with the Timor oil and the Bernardis situation. We have a country where, you know, people can find themselves in court, including our friends in the corporate owned media and the government guild at ABC, not just idiots like you and me. So think about it. No protection. We have no freedom of speech in the Constitution. It's an implied freedom of speech, which is based on the ideas of parliamentary elections, and all this goes on and on. You can be in jail for up to 25 years of being taking, for taking part in, a, in an occupation. And obviously, if resistance rises in this country, they have all the mechanisms at their disposal, legal mechanisms and physical mechanisms to try to crush that resistance. At the very, And at the very time, having a docile, corporate-friendly media, which is happy to run their garbage because it helps their bottom line. Now, have you noticed? Panic. P-A-N-I-C. Panic. It's the calling card of the corporate-owned media, whether it's social media, whether it's the legacy media. Panic is the calling card. Panic is a great way to get people to look at their garbage, listen to their garbage, participate in their garbage. You create panic in the community, you lose all sense of dimension, time and purpose. 
I've noticed a lot of the, you know, COVID-19 reporting has been little short of, um, how shall I say, a little short of, it's just, just extraordinary. Instead of trying to create a united community, it's about panic. It's about pointing the finger at minorities. It's about trying to find a scapegoat because it's good for the bottom line. It's good for making a buck. It's good for selling, you know, detergent or dishwashers, you know. It's good for that if you can get your get people's eyes glued onto that social media platform or that legacy media platform that uh, creates panic or has got a little bit of clickbait. Well, it's good for them. So be very wary of opinion. And that's the dilemma, opinion. With fewer people being involved in the mass media, as the mass media needs to vest itself of uh, employees in order to maintain its profitability, it's all about opinion, opinion, opinion. Not facts, not ideas, but about opinion. Listen to the Atticus World this week, broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. Ah... Why do some people don't want to be tested? Well, obviously there's people who don't want to be tested because they don't want to be tested. They think it's an invasion of their privacy or liberties or whatever. There's a more practical reason why a lot of people don't want to be tested for COVID-19. And unfortunately, it's an economic issue. Because if you have symptoms, no matter how mild they are, and you get tested, you volunteer and get tested for COVID-19, you're supposedly to self-isolate until you get results. And because of the mass of tests that have been done, it may take a few days before you get results, so you lose money. If you've got a bit of a sniffle and you go to work, you may have COVID-19 and you may pass it on to your uh, fellow workers, as we've seen in a number of cases. The dilemma arises that at least one third of Australian workers have no sick pay. They're casual. They have no sick pay. So people go to work and they spread the virus because of economic pressures. Now, I've noticed my bills haven't changed since the COVID-19 crisis began in late February, early March. I still get the same bloody bills every month and I'm sure you're getting the same bloody bills every month. And after the September the 30th, all, that, uh, all those mortgage repayments and rent repayments that you've put aside is going to need to be paid on top of future rent and mortgage repayments. So there is this economic um, pressure. So if they really want us to be tested, if they really want Australians to come to flood to the testing sites, why don't you offer a bounty? That's right. Instead of wasting money in a spurious JobKeeper program, offer a bounty. Offer people, say, $500 to be tested. I can assure you the lines will be a mile long and the cost will be minimal compared to the cost for a JobKeeper program. And if you don't want people to go to work when they've got the sniffles, when they're not sick, they've got the sniffles and they may have COVID-19 because most people with COVID-19 just get the sniffles, well, then why don't you offer people their wage during a two-week isolation period? And maybe then we would be able to contain this virus much more quickly than we can because 
you know, there's this balancing act between economic reality and COVID-19 and uh, a duty, in inverted commas, to the uh, your fellow citizens. And it's a, it it's, can be a difficult uh, balancing act. So if you're concerned that people don't want to be tested or aren't being tested in the large numbers they should be, offer people a bounty. Offer to pay their wages for two weeks while they self-isolate or pay their wages while they're waiting for results. And maybe you will find that many more people will get involved. Many more people will uh, get tested because we need to think outside the box when it comes to this situation because COVID-19 does have consequences. With mortality rate about 5% around the world, it has major consequences. You've been listening to the Anarchist World this week broadcast across Australia via the Community Radio Network. This program has been streaming live on 3cr.org.au. That's 3cr.org.au. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. I'd like to thank all those people who've donated to the um, 3CR June Appeal. I'd also like to thank the Community Radio Network for putting up with us for so many years. If you wish to continue to donate to the 3CR Appeal, you can do that in a number of ways. You can go to 3cr.org.au forward slash donate and donate uh, electronically. You can send cheques or money orders to Post Office Box 1277 Collingwood 3066. You can ring 039 419 8377. Follow all the prompts and you'll get through to somebody eventually and you can actually make a donation. Don't forget, you can write to me. Yes, I do respond to letters to Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. Post Office Box 20 Parkville 3052. You can uh, email us at anarchistage at yahoo.com or info at pipsy.net. You can uh, join public interest before corporate interest by going to pipsy.net and downloading the application form. You can uh, leave messages on 0439 395 489. You can go to the YouTube channel, Public Interest Before Corporate Interests. You can go to our, you can go to our Facebook page, Joseph Toscano, Toscano for the Public, Defend and Extend Public Housing, Public Housing, Everybody's Business. Look, it's been a pleasure talking to you, not with you because you can't talk back at the minute, but it's been a pleasure talking to you through the anarchist world this week. I hope to continue to broadcast for a few more years. I'd like to thank all those people that have supported the radio program over the years and I'd like to thank especially all those people who've made contributions to Community Radio 3CR to keep us on air so we can continue to uh, broadcast the Anarchist World this week through the Community Radio Network. Thank you once again for listening to the Anarchist World this week on your local community radio station. Evil minds that plot destruction An analysis you'll never hear anywhere else. Anarchist World This Week, Australia's Sacred Cow Slaughterhouse. 10am every Wednesday. Listen to the Anarchist World This Week for an up-to-date analysis of local, national and international events. Poisoning their brainwashed minds. Oh, larger.
You've been listening to a 3CR podcast produced in the studios of independent community radio station 3CR in Melbourne, Australia. For more information, go to allthews.3cr.org.au.